Ultra. Back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we have no intention of settling down as we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 3, one finger-tapping minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Steve Lasto from the Princess Bride Minute and X-Minutes. I'm Jerry O'Brien from the X-Minutes. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for having us. Of course. This is great. Thank you. (laughs) We're here on uh, today's minute, which is Minute 62 which is the minute that begins with Captain Stacy saying, I know this isn't easy, and ends with MJ saying that Aunt May called her and told her about what happened. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're still in the the, the precinct right now uh, with angry Peter, uh, rightfully angry, I would say, at this point in the Mm -hmm. story. Yeah, no, I mean, this this bit where he gets enraged about, like, you know, he says, uh, Captain Stacy says that... uh, you know, this isn't easy, but please be patient. We're doing our best. And mm-hmm. Peter gets rightfully enraged at this moment because he's like, you know, do uh, doing the best you can. Like, I, I don't I don't think you are because you you're saying that you've known about this for two years and you're just now telling us because he escaped from prison. Yeah, that's the only reason you told us about this is because you lost him. Uh, <laughs> like, why didn't you tell us this beforehand? And like, why did you let him get out? I mean, and, you know, it's, and is is Aunt May in danger? Is he going to come back for her? Right. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, I mean, it's it's a thing where. Well, he's got to get his shirt first. It's, <laughs> it's it's I can I I feel Peter's anger here. Like I I because yeah, this is this is incompetence at the highest degree. Uh, yeah. Of of just this is a police officer, uh, a police captain, just choosing not to do their job like oh well you know yes we did find out that someone else was responsible for their loved one's death however we've got him in prison so same difference who cares whatever doesn't matter <laughs> basic pencil pushing bureaucrat that's what captain stacy is in this scene <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's almost as if peter becomes like us from yesterday's discussion in this minute he's just like there you go this is all this is bull roar how dare you guys you? doing here <laughs> <laughs> witnesses suspicions for two years get out of here this is nonsense um, yeah it's this and it's this all performance on toby's part where not that he's ever fully checked out of this movie but like sometimes he's almost playful about the melodrama but here he just seems really really grounded in outrage um, yeah yeah, he's yeah. Like, no yeah. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go hard on this i'm gonna i'm really gonna play this uh because you know we need to we need to buy he's honestly in the next in the next few minutes of this movie, like he's actually, I mean, this is some peak Tobey Maguire stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. Is acting, uh, yeah, I, yeah, capital A. Yeah, I actually think that I'll, I'll leave this mostly for a minute or later in the minute, but I feel like later in this later in this minute, he's not really hitting his hitting his mark. 
Um, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'll, but I, don't, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But, but right now, I think this is great because not only is he angry at Captain Stacy, who, you know, there's a lot wrong there. Um, mm-hmm. He's angry at himself. Yeah. And he doesn't have enough time to process it. Yeah. And, and frankly, this, this version of Peter Parker is not that all, all, all that emotionally mature at any, any point in his journey. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So this is, this is great. Um, yeah. It's a shame that it had to happen, but it's great. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and what's really interesting, too, is like, you, you know, you mentioned that he's blaming himself. And what I find fascinating is he remembers back to the night that the other guy died. And for some reason, in his memory, he remembers pushing him. Oh, whoa. Even though that's not what happens. If you watch that first movie, he he steps backwards, trips on a pipe and falls through the window. It has nothing to do with Peter touching him. And there's a jump cut. You can see it. Yeah. So you get there's the shot. What about my uncle? Did you give him a chance when he shoves him up against a wall? And that's intercut with when he trips over the thing and falls. Right. So it looks like a shove, but it's not. Right. And yeah. And this you is know, what this is what Peter's remembering because I think in his mind he's like, I might as well have pushed him because all he did was steal money. He wasn't my uncle's killer. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter whether I mean it matters whether you pushed him or not, but the fact you know, the fact of the matter is that Peter Parker is guilty of manslaughter at the very least, I think, here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a yeah. legal scholar, but he 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 pushed you know he he pursued that guy into the warehouse, and that guy tripped on the pipe, or he pushed him, whichever one it is. If you pushed him, he's guilty of murder. But if he yeah. tripped on the pipe, I mean that he he's he's guilty of something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly I mean, what. If I don't know if it's murder or did, manslaughter or what. The guy did like pull a knife and a gun on him in the. I mean, it's this is New yeah, York. This that is, would not this matter. The areas are murky. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, emotionally here it's the the amount of guilt he feels is so much worse because where he used to be able to write this incident off as well that guy was the worst of the worst he killed my uncle sure it, it's bad that he died but i'm not going to feel that bad about it can, can uh, at you least imagine? i didn't kill him yeah <laughs> now, i mean like <laughs> I, I say so, i said i was out i was out last night at a like at a at a party and i said something stupid not like ridiculously stupid but stupid enough that i recall it and mm-hmm. in that moment you think Oh man, I screwed up. Could you imagine the uh, the amount of oh man, I screwed up in the that he's feeling right now, yeah. and with no opportunity to actively to like take a step back and process it. Yeah, right. yeah. I That's mean, and, and the thing too, like we have to remember. I mean, it's it's hard to remember this because Tobey Maguire is uh, is so old. Um, but <laughs> you know, when when that happened, Peter was like seventeen. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's easy to forget that. But he was a he was a senior in high school. He was like seventeen, maybe eighteen. He's a kid, and he found himself in this situation where he inadvertently killed someone who killed his uncle. But even still, he mm-hmm. because of his actions, this man lost his life, and yeah. he was a seventeen, eighteen year old kid. Again, it's a thing that happens with this movie where it's not frustrating because it's the worst thing I've ever seen. It's often frustrating because we're really close to something interesting. And, and, and this, it all seems to be working. Like we've, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now about how much we dislike the concept of switching around the Flint Marco's responsibility for uncle Ben's death, but it's led to this interesting thing that he's wrestling with right now. And maybe in a different version of this screenplay, there's more time to breathe and spend 
introspection here, but I don't know. It's I guess we got to go do some other stuff because there's a big black suit coming. So we go home and we stare at the walls, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, we tap on our police scanner. Yeah, tapping up a storm. Um, we you basically see that uh, photography doesn't pay very much from the quality of his apartment. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you know, he he, he only takes pictures of Spider Man. Um, he tried to take <laughs> pictures of other stuff, and no one wanted it. And uh, and and you know, the th- fact of the matter is, he literally earns money doing nothing else. Like there's he's, nothing he's else he does that makes any comic money. Books. I I assume he has some form of like student loans uh, going on, but you know that that's only going to get you so far as well. Yeah, that yeah. Probably, he's sort of the Zabruder of comic book photography. Yeah, of superhero photography. Yeah. Um, One yeah. of my my favorite things about Peter's apartment is actually the paintwork. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like both, both Jerry and I live in these hundred year old brownstone buildings that have been painted a zillion times over, and our buildings are probably pretty nice. But the the ones that have been that are not so nice, I mean, they really do look like that. It's awesome. They do. They do. That that is a that's one of the few New York accurate things about this film. <laughs> the, the layers of paint just gooped on there. Like the building is more paint than wall. Right. <laughs> I mean, you could see there was some detail in the molding maybe a century ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it's like, yeah. my favorite thing about like when you get paint that's that old with that many layers is like the sections where you can see chips have happened in previous layers of paint that have then been painted over. So it becomes like a crater, like a pockmark on the moon yeah, right. instead of just a, yeah. <laughs> right. a surface like. And it's definitely it's, it's definitely one of the like only situations in which uh, you know returning to a set that you've broken down and stored for two years only makes it look better. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slap some new paint on there. We got another Spider-Man movie to go. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, um, it's uh, yeah. So he, I mean, he's just listening to this police scanner, and it's. It's interesting seeing him in this sort of obsessive way um, mm-hmm. where, you know, and, and in a lot of ways, I think I think the thing that I find really interesting about about this is. Um, is that, uh, you know, this is. This is a p- version of Peter Parker that there are there is a certain contingent of Spider-Man fans that to them, this is Spider-Man. Very, oh right! Very, very (laughs) brooding, very obsessive. You know the 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 type of Spider-Man fan whose favorite stories are Craven's Last Hunt and the the Venom stuff. Um, Yeah, you know those guys who who like that's their favorite Spider-Man. This is the only Spider-Man that they know. And anytime that Spider-Man is like goofy or silly or whatever. Um, you know, that, that, that flies in the face of everything that they love about the character. They want this guy. They want mm-hmm. obsessively listening to the, the police scanner Spider-Man uh, and, and the one that doesn't crack jokes because things are too serious. And, they, dream, uh, they, they dream of a Zack Snyder Spider-Man movie. Oh, man. Right. Uh. Oh, man. Oh, boy, do they. Uh, oh, boy, do they. This is the counterpoint to the emotional state I talked about earlier. I hate this. Yeah. Like yeah. watching him, he yeah. looks like a constipated Wesley Crusher tapping <laughs> tapping repeatedly on the on the um on Shut the up, uh, on, on the CB on the on the on the police scanner. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't read a lot of. I, I'm guessing that's a lot of the McFarlane era, era yes. Sp- Spider-Man you guys talking about. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, didn't, I wasn't reading a lot of Spider-Man then. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I think. Yeah. 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 No, the uh, you know the the Watchmen, uh, Dark Knight Returns of it all really ruined comics for a while. Um, yeah. And, and still, still has a a deep effect on comics even to this day. But. That time, that period right after that is when we got a lot of stories that a lot of people really, really love that I just despise because I think that they, it flies in the face of everything the character represents. Um, but yeah. those people really love it. And, you know, more power to you. I'm glad that you got some Spider-Man stories that you really love. However, your Spider-Man is not the, I don't want to say it's not the correct Spider-Man, but it's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's not the preferred it's, one. Yeah, well, it's just it's not the iconic version of the character. It's just not. Um, yeah, and and you you all need to just let it go. <laughs> I think we just have to all agree. Not all superheroes have to be dark and gritty. Right. Right. Yeah. Some right. can. It works for some. It, it yeah. works not so well for others. You know. It, it's well. I mean, yeah. I mean the the truth of the matter is like it's okay for Spider Man as a character to go into that dark gritty place occasionally if the story dictates it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with Spider Man not making any jokes during an arc because things are really serious. Like I remember the um, the back and black arc, the arc that followed the civil war arc where everyone found out his identity and then villains started coming after Mary Jane and aunt may. And I think if I'm not mistaken, aunt may gets shot um, by Jeez. one of these people. Yeah, she ends up uh, in the hospital. Yeah. And so Again. he goes back into the black costume because he's like, I I'm, I'm, you know, this is all very serious and I'm not, I'm not messing around. And it's a really good arc. It's probably one of the best JMS arcs, honestly. It's you Spider-Man's know, it, gothic phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, JMS is a writer that I don't really like um, at all. Uh, and I spe- specifically do not like his Spider-Man stuff. But that particular arc is very well done. Honestly, all of his stuff through Civil War to you know right before one more day uh is is all pretty good stuff because it's it's very kind of emotionally wrought and um an interesting take on uh on the character in a very emotionally wrought uh uh, part of his life and um you know it's it's fair it's fair to tell a story like that it's not fair for you to want that to be the only version of this character because that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the character yeah yeah if that's your default that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the character i I see this with like some some daredevil fans too and some batman fans and i think there's an aspect of it where any sort of vigilante heroism Mm -hmm. eventually there will be people who are like but why isn't he just the Punisher? Right. Yeah. You know? Because right. like, oh, if we're doing vigilante justice, why isn't he just the Punisher who kills people because he's, you know, mad or whatever? And right. it's like, I don't equate that. Th- like, it is fine for the Punisher to be that way because that's what the Punisher is. And, right. you know, by contrasting that type of thing, we get to figure out what matters to us about our, like, symbols of good and whatnot. Like, that, that works for that. But it can't be the only the only approach, because I don't think these work as realistic stories most of the time. Right. I think they just work mostly as metaphors for personal growth or responsibility. Right. No, it, Nobody more so than Spider-Man. It's the same people who think that there's something uh, uh, logically broken about Batman because he doesn't kill the criminals. He puts them in Arkham Asylum. And they're like, mm-hmm. they're just going to break out again. Why doesn't he just kill them? It's like, well, one, because... 
that would just be the end of Batman. He would have no more villains to fight because they'd all be dead. And number um, two, yes. have you ever tasted the food in Arkham Asylum? It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true torture. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, so, so, you know, it's, it's these people who like want this sort of logical thing. Uh, and it's 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 like why are you reading comics then? If you want logic, why are you reading comics? Uh, <laughs> because nothing about this is logical. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and and I think that this is this right here, this scene, this sequence, this is what people wanted when they this and the next uh, next week stuff um, with the oh, initial when black the trailers costume. came out. Yeah, with the initial black costume stuff next week. Um, I think this is what they wanted those those types of spider-man fans this is what they wanted the whole movie to be and so mm-hmm. when the silly stuff happens because it's inevitably going to happen because this is a sam raimi movie and the dude's a silly guy um <laughs> you know when that silly stuff happens it feels like an attack on the movie that they wanted and mm. and and it almost feels like they're being made fun of and i think in a way they are because i think that sam thinks all of this is really silly. I think he thinks that people taking themselves really seriously is is silly. Is yeah. is inherently silly. And so he wants to kind of take the piss out of it a little bit. Um and and I think that he also understands Peter Parker as a character, this at least his take on the character, that, you know, he doesn't know how to be dark and cool. Like he doesn't he that's not who this guy is. His version of that would be dancing down the street in a black suit a black suit or or going to a jazz club like he's a dork um and and that's the 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 dorky version of like if a dork became evil he would just be a douchebag like he wouldn't be he wouldn't be a murderer like that's not that's not what he would be um, a vaping douchebag yes yeah. oh he would absolutely be vaping if this movie was made today um, and and I think oh that God. there's I think there's an argument to be made that that does make sense from a certain point of view, but those fans would not have it. This is what yeah. they wanted the whole movie to be, and unfortunately, this was also the movie that was absolutely advertised. None of the silly stuff in this movie were, was advertised in any way whatsoever. So no one knew what they were sitting down to watch until they were watching it, and it flew in the face of everything the marketing was telling them it was. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> I, it's, all, it's all very accurate. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> Spot on. Spot on. Um, so, anyway, Steve's been anyway. quiet for a while. Steve, do you have any thoughts? I, I was just me- meditating on the concept of toxic fans and how long they've been around. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, it, it's, I, so I think, I think that I don't remember being like super, super primed for this movie. I, I remember sort of taking the Spider-Man and for that matter, the X-Men movies as they came. It wasn't like I had to go the first night. I went pretty early, but I wasn't like mm-hmm. super, super, super looking on board despite being a lifelong Marvel Comics fan. So mm-hmm. my take on this movie when I watched it was just sort of that it was chaotic and poorly done. It didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't come to it with like, like, like I listened to your um, your episode on the on the previews, and I didn't come to it with any of that stuff whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I I agree with you guys, you know. Um, and I'm and yeah. I'm and I'm, but I'm bummed to hear like to think of like like the fandom being like this way ten years ago. And I guess I guess they were doing that on eighty Kulus, and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, they were they were doing that in '89 when Keaton was cast as Batman. You know, like they've always been around. 
Yeah, but you um, couldn't yeah, hear the, about the, it. Those that toxic then. Big fans. deal. Some dork at a, con- a yeah, comic book convention at a second-rate hotel shot his mouth off. You know? Yeah. yeah it didn't have the, like, uh, the megaphone effect where, like, right. it was as easy to, like, collect all of that, like, vitriol right. in, in one place. you know, forums and stuff. What yeah. I remember about this film when it first came out was that it, it kind of seemed the obvious third film that, you know, they were kind of getting a little long in the tooth with these characters, the actors, and they sort of run out of ideas and they were, you know, rehashing Uncle Ben's death and they were, you know, just sort of doing things over and over again because they lost ideas, which probably explains why this was Sam Raimi's last Spider-Man film. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's actually, I actually think the problem was the opposite of that. I think the problem was that they had too many ideas because Sam, Sam was making a fourth one, uh, until they canceled it on him. Um, let me, let me edit my comment by saying good ideas. They had lots of ideas for this movie. Um, I, I don't, I don't even think, uh, like I, I, I'm not even prepared to say that these were bad ideas. I think that they were, I, I don't think that they were, um, well executed. Well executed yeah. because they don't they didn't have the time to execute them properly because they had a release date they had to hit. And that's that's a that's a you know, that's basically a death mark, especially back then. You know, this was not a producer driven, uh, a producer driven, you know, a, a, a filmmaking at this point. There was not that wasn't really a thing at this right. point. Um, and so the, and, and you need a strong producer, a strong creative producer in order to have that drive that driving force toward a release date and actually release something that's good you know um and they they just didn't have that they didn't have that kind of producer on this movie the produce the producers on this movie were like that the old school hollywood producers they're not creatives they're they're basically uh pre-executives you know they're going to be studio execs one day and they're not yet um they're just producers right now and but they're not they're not creative people and and when you don't have creative people driving this and helping the creatives sort of hone in on what they're wanting to say and how to execute it. You can't give them a release date to hit because they're they They need to just work on the movie. They need to make it the best version of the movie that you can make, but that wasn't the priority back then. So yeah. I have a question primarily for Scott. So one oh. thing I, that, that I, that I realized as we were, as I was sort of prepping for the show was both the X-Men franchises and this franchise, X-Men franchise and this franchise, they put out two good movies mm-hmm. and then they cratered yeah. on their third attempt. Yeah. And it's hard not to see these, these series in parallel because they were coming out around the same time. Absolutely. Do, 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 you, have any, do you have any thinking on why, on why that is? Was there something fundamentally, you know, that it was, both, both it was that, fun- it, I, I can tell you exactly what I think it is. Perfect. And it's that the, the producers and the studio execs were addicted to the success they were addicted to it and they needed to prove to their board of directors that we're going to make money we're obviously going to make a sequel to that really successful movie we made that that's a no-brainer of course we are in fact here's when it's coming out boom set your watch to it and as a result of making that decision of saying this is when this is coming out it's coming out on this date and now go and work on the movie, guys, because we have a date that we have to hit to appease our, our studio right. execs and our board of directors. And as a result of that, right, 
um, you know, <laughs> they replace on X Men. They replace one monster with another one. Um, but yeah. the, but the <laughs> point is, like, he didn't want to come back, sure. and yet he wanted to come back. But he wanted to make a Superman movie first, and they were like, okay, we're not going to wait on you. We're just going to make the movie because we have a release date to hit. And so then they hire a work for hire schlub who has had doesn't make any good movies and has never made a movie the same way um, because he doesn't actually direct his movies. But that's a whole other conversation <laughs> that I could have about Brett Ratner um, and and the way that he uh, air quote directs films. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is like they were more focused on getting a movie in theaters. They didn't care about the quality. They just wanted right. the product. And, because, and that's the same thing with this. The only the only difference here is that Sam, you know, didn't walk away. He he went ahead and made it. But then when they did the same thing to him on Spider-Man 4, he did walk away because he was like, I'm not making the same mistake as Spider-Man 3. I'm not making a movie that isn't good just because you want it released on this date. I'm not doing it. And so this he walked away. This is an age old story in Hollywood. Uh, hmm. Just think back to Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. they, they set a date and the movie had to be out on that date because of contracts. The other thing that they did here is that they forgot that the quality of a superhero film is almost always in inverse proportion to the number of supervillains in it. The more supervillains, the worse the movie is. <laughs> that's not that's well, not true. That's not true because well, there are well, there are like seven supervillains in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, and that's and, the best one they've ever made. <laughs> and it's the best one they've ever made. And there are there are uh, three, four Three, three supervillains in Spider-Man Homecoming, and that movie's great. Um, yeah. You know? So it's it, that's, okay. that's not entirely true. Like, there's a I way just, to pull it off. They just didn't know how to do it. It then. often is the case, though. It, it, you know, you look at the the Michael Keaton Batman films. You look at the, uh, the Joel Schumacher Batman films with the rotating Batman back in the yeah. 1980s. Um, and it definitely is the case. They got it lucky with Spider-Verse. Like it feels like a correlation rather than a causation thing. Yeah. Where like, if we are making these films and, oh man, like, oh, these are very successful now, uh, especially with X-Men and Spider-Man where it was the first like mega success of this type of movie, the new comic book movie that, you know, post uh, post the Batmans and post the, the Superman ones. You know, when we came back from Blade and then had X-Men, then Spider-Man, X2, Spider-Man 2, where this is a new big success this could be our primary money maker there's no they're not going to let off the gas pedal so we got to go bigger and better we got to go bigger and better put more stuff in but we also won't give you time if you put more stuff in the movie bigger stranger weirder stuff you can definitely make a great movie you just need more time to iron out all of the kinks right and the one thing they don't ever get is more time it's right. it's fine to like set a release date that you have to make but it should be a realistic one and they weren't realistic past one and two on either of these franchises right. because they were like, well, they were mega successful. So they'll be mega successful regardless of the quality, get it out faster so we can make the money. Right. Cause it doesn't, the quality of the movie doesn't actually matter. This movie, this movie, which is widely considered the worst Spider-Man movie, especially of this trilogy made mm -hmm. the most money. This movie made the most money of any Spider-Man movie. Go figure. The, yeah. And, and so like, that was the thing. It's like, you know, from a business standpoint, Quality doesn't matter. Screw the quality. Just get the movie out. It doesn't matter. They'll buy tickets. There's, there's also a segment. So I, I, first of all, I, did, I disagree with this notion that you can't have three or four villains in a movie. I think that's. I think that, I think it's the story that really governs what you can do. Um, mm -hmm. I think though, there's also a segment of the audience 
that they're the same segment that wants to see the 30-minute smash out at the end of every MCU movie. There's a segment that wants to see Venom and the Sandman and the Green Goblin and Spider-Man all sort of mixing it up like that. And that mm-hmm. segment is going to go and see this movie more than once. And then there's guys yeah. like us that are going to see these movies more than once, regardless if they're good or bad, because we're wired to do that. I think, <laughs> I think, I think Dark Phoenix, whatever the last X-Men movie called, is the worst movie ever. The worst comic book movie ever made, bar none. And yeah. I still might go see that again. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But like, well, we want to, we want to dissect it. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I, almost, I don't think you can go see it again, Steve. I think it's gone. It, it is sadly exactly. still playing around the corner for me and Jerry. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. At least it was I a haven't week seen or so it yet. Ago. I'm waiting for it to go on demand. I, I, I wouldn't be able to here in LA. I wouldn't be able to go see that movie if I wanted to. No one else is playing it. It's gone. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Um, Endgame is still in theaters right now. <laughs> yeah, sure is. <laughs> you can't kill a good Endgame. Um, but but I mean, like there are people that are going to see it. So like the marketplace is not reflected by quality. The marketplace never reflects quality. How did Into the Spider Verse do relative to the other ones? Uh, it was okay. It was weak. It was pretty weak. It was weak. Um, yeah. And because people couldn't get over the cartoon of it, like it's like, oh, I'm not going to go see a cartoon. I'm a I'm a I'm a grown man. I'm not going to go see a cartoon. Like, <laughs> you would think in an era where people will go see Endgame in the numbers that they do, that that would not be the case, or Avatar for that matter, which is you know essentially a yeah. cartoon. Um, right. But that, that's amazing to me. Uh, but it just goes to show that people the, are stupid. People are stupid. Well, people as individual people are smart. People as a group, kind of dumb. Uh, but also, <laughs> I wasn't calling I think you it's again, stupid. I was calling people in general stupid. To be clear, right, right. there were I no specifics also, there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also again that that issue of marketing, where getting people in the theater to watch the thing is how you make the money, and that's that's not at all really connected to like being honest about the thing you're you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. Or making a good thing in the first place. That mm-hmm. I know some people that weren't willing to watch Spider Verse just because they didn't like the title. They're like, I don't understand what is that. Uh, enter the yeah, really? like, it just was weird, you know. But like Spider Man Three after Spider Man Two was the most like well received comic book movie ever. We're getting everybody back. Venom's in this one. Butts and seats. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's and that's. I think this is the beginning. I think X Three and Spider Man Three were the beginning of marketing running movies, running creative. Um, and, and, you know, a movie living or dying specifically on its marketing. It's like, and opening weekend. Right, and opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that opening I think weekend is, is still a thing. I think mm-hmm. what Marvel's done in recent movies with the misleading coming attractions and trailers has changed that dynamic a little bit. Because yeah, they now realize... To. I, it's yeah, it's it, starting to. I think I think they're getting smarter about it. I think I think Disney is starting to get really smart about the way they market stuff in general. Um, I think they're probably the best at it, honestly. You know, like, don't give away the big secret of the film in a thirty second commercial three months before the film premieres. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the 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 smartest thing that they did in the marketing in Event Game was like was was the was the no spoilers thing because it made yeah. everyone terrified of spoilers. And everyone went and saw that movie immediately. And so they don't want to be spoiled. Right. So right. I have to see it. Right. And so it had the biggest opening weekend of all time. Uh, and it's and it's specifically because it was a it was a fear tactic. It was just out of fear. <laughs> you know? uh, but it worked. It I, I, I like that they're seats. shooting fake scenes just for the coming attractions. 
yeah, uh, to yeah. psych people out. I, I like think that. That's I think great. it's very that clever. Just, that just shows how good they are at manipulating us. I think that's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it it, it is unfortunate because I think that there's I really do believe that there's a, a good interesting movie in here. Um, it just it needed another draft. I mean, when we're talking about a movie that when it was conceived. It was conceived as a, a, a single movie with Sandman and the Vulture. And then when when they realized what the theme was and that the symbiote suit would work better with that theme of forgiveness, then they switched it to the symbiote suit. But then they were like, well, we can't tell the symbiote costume story and Venom in one movie. We have to do it in two. So then they start making it into two movies and then realizing that the first movie wouldn't be satisfying for audiences and therefore what might affect the amount of people who would come to the second one fearing that it too wouldn't be satisfying as a single movie. So then they were like, okay, well now we have to bring it down to one movie, but now the movie's too long and too expensive. So now we have to trim that down. And all of this process was happening in pre-production with a, with a, with a, uh, 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 a release date in 2007, just getting closer and closer and closer and all of this, all of them trying to figure this movie out is happening. And then we get to this point. We finally get it honed down to a hundred and you know, thirty-five page script. And we're gonna make that because we don't have a choice. We have to start shooting or we're not gonna have a movie. And the moral is we are all the black Spider-Man costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Oh boy. It's uh it's 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 crazy the amount of development that this movie had. Uh, in in a very short period of time, and we're talking eighteen months because they probably started shooting this about eighteen months out of the release date. So right. a three month turnaround. They started working on the treatment, the initial treatment for this, the day of the premiere of Spider Man Two. They wasted no time, and they had eighteen months. And in those eighteen months, they did all of what I just described, and then they had to start shooting no matter what. And it's just like, this is the movie that we ended up getting as a result. And it's, it's broken. It's a broken movie. I think there's good stuff in here. I think there's really bad stuff in here. I think there's boneheaded decisions. I think there's really clever stuff in here. But it's, it's not a movie that totally works, unfortunately. And it's all because Sony dictated a release date. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So. Cart before the horse. Cart yep. before the horse. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, oh boy. And, uh, or the cart before the police scanner? I don't know if that. Is. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to bring it back to the middle. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's 62. Maybe that's yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's 62. I think we'll save any MJ conversation for tomorrow. Um, all right. Well, uh, guys, we will be back. Uh, we will be back tomorrow to have uh, some more uh, really uh, really intense conversations about this movie. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll be doing that uh, tomorrow. In the meantime, if you want to check out our T Public store, you can do that at duelinggenre.com/slash/merch. Uh, go there, check out t-shirts and things like that. And, uh, also buy anything at T public through our link and we'll get a little, a little piece, a little cut. Um, so we appreciate everyone who does that and we will be back tomorrow with minute 63. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya. Excelsior. Excelsior.